Hello, and welcome to I Have a Few Questions About Being a Grown-Up. I'm Annie Middlemist. And I'm Patrice Ciccarelli. We're two coaches helping new adults who are trying to navigate their path. We tackle your questions and offer solutions while building your emotional intelligence along the way. We're here to help. Let's get started. Hey, Patrice, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Annie? I'm good. I'm really excited about our guest today. She's one of my favorite humans on the planet. I've known her for a long time. Her name is Katie Leineman. And uh, I talked to her about what we were doing and she offered to be one of our guests because she might have a few questions about being a grown-up. So Katie, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me and thank you for that intro. Likewise, um, I'm so excited to be here and I have many, many questions about being a grown up, um, but I'll only ask you one. So <laughs> you can ask as many as you want, but we're excited that you're here, Katie. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I am 24. I live in Kansas City. I graduated during the pandemic in 2020 from college. So since then, it was like I just went from being in the middle of college to just like, oh, all of a sudden I'm in the real world and I'm working and I've been working in marketing and advertising since then. So um, just coming up at like, I guess a little bit over a year and a half since I've been working. So just navigating that has been just kind of my focus in this stage of my life, but I'm a triplet and I'm really close with my family and I have a really great group of friends. I'm lucky, but um, yeah, so that's a little bit about me. So did you study marketing in college? Is that what you got your degree in? I got my degree. So I was actually a, uh, in, I was a nursing major for two years, and then I studied abroad, and then I kind of changed up my whole, what I wanted to do when I was abroad. I had a lot of like realizations about things, and then I changed to um, being an English major, which is what I'm actually a lot more passionate about. So yeah, I graduated with my BA in English and with a concentration in creative writing. So that's kind of how I ended up where I am today. And was was marketing kind of, is it just kind of a stop along the way? What what are you hoping to do with your creative writing English mm-hmm. degree? Um, I'm still trying to figure that out. I love, there are a ton of aspects about marketing that I really love um, in terms of writing. Like I love writing blogs and newsletters. That's something that I do now. I also love writing brand positioning for clients. So that's something that I don't have um, that much experience with right now, but writing like the, um, the vision statements and like taglines and then just the brand story is really fun for me. So I love doing that. But long term, uh, I have a lot. I'd like to write a book someday. Um, and I'd like to, I think screenwriting could be really fun to go into, but I haven't really like narrowed down exactly what it is that I want to do, especially because I got my degree in two years. So I also, because I just crammed it all into two years and graduated on time. So I feel like I still need to um, explore what it is exactly I want to do because I didn't get to do as much exploring as I would have liked while I was in the major. So. Still yeah. figuring. <laughs> so tell me when you when you started as a nursing major and decided to switch, what was that trigger or experience that made you decide that you were going down a different path? Yeah, so I went, I kind of knew in the back of my head that I nursing wasn't for me from day one, but I just kind of silenced it because I thought it would be like a 
stable career with really great pay. And I love the idea of like being able to like help someone and care for people. But so I got into nursing and I, um, by the time when it was the two year mark, the nursing school I went to luckily is like direct admit. So I was in nursing classes from my freshman year onward. So I sophomore year, I did clinicals in Spain. And the moment I did a clinical, I was like, this is not the career. (laughs) This is not the career for me. Um, So there was definitely a, that was like the thing that pushed me to change. But also I was just having like, I was like physically like having a reaction to not being in the right major. Like I was so anxious. I was like getting hives. (laughs) Like I knew that there, like, it was like my body was like, you should not be a nursing major before my mind was. So um, Isn't that, that funny? Case. Like you said that you knew like on day one that you probably weren't in the right spot. And mm-hmm. for some reason, your conscious mind just wouldn't let you either give it up or did you feel like if you gave it up, you were going back on a commitment you made? Yes, I felt like kind of guilty in a way. And then my whole extended family was so proud of me that I was going to be a nurse and my dad especially loved that I was going to be a nurse. He was like, oh, it's going to be so great to have a nurse in the family. And it's such a dependable job. And then my, he also was kind of like, what are, are you going to do with an English major? So, um, yeah, I definitely felt that. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Um, well, good for you for having the courage to step out. It may have been that your body was like physically telling you, it sounds like this is not Uh going to work. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so when you studied abroad, you studied abroad specifically to do your nursing over there. Is that what you were doing? There was, yes. So I always wanted to, I also studied Spanish. So there was that component of it. And then um, my university has a campus in Madrid. So it's everybody, not everybody, but a lot of students go over there. And it's like an American university in Madrid where all of your um, like tuition and your scholarships, it all applies there. So they speak English in the school. Of course, you can take Spanish classes, but it was mainly to just like enhance my Spanish skills. But within the nursing program, you could go and do clinicals in Spain, which is a really unique opportunity. So I wanted to do it. It was also my first like clinical experience was in another country, which was fascinating to say the least. Um, but yeah, so that's, I went over there primarily to improve my Spanish, but also the clinical opportunity was really great. So yeah, what a great experience for you. It was, yeah, it was wonderful. (laughs) So Katie, tell us what question you have today about being a grown-up, my dear. Okay. My question. Um, so being with my background that I kind of told you about, I feel like I, I'll just give you some context. I feel like I don't have I just don't have that much experience in the corporate world. And I'm just wondering how I can build my confidence and not feel like I'm like a fraud at work with what I'm doing. Right. Right now you feel like you kind of are a fraud in the work that you're doing. Sometimes. Yes. I just feel like I have like no confidence, um, especially with, Um, more of like the client interaction side, like client relationship side of what I do. So half of what I do is writing and the other half is like client relationships. So that's definitely been a challenge, but there are times, and even if someone tells me I'm doing a great job, like I still go home and I'm like, I'm not doing a great job. So um, yeah, that's kind of been a challenge. So 
One interesting thing that Patrice and I talk about a lot is how negative comments are so much louder. They land Mm -hmm. so much heavier than the positive ones. Mm -hmm. And that, like you said, someone will say you're doing great. And you're like, no, no, no. The voice in my head said I'm not. No, no, no. So there's a, there's a lot of funny tricks that people do with that. One that I hear is giving the voice in your head a name and Mm -hmm. remember someone you really didn't like in the past and give it that name and tell her to be quiet like back off. I've got this. There's a voice in your head. who keeps telling you you're not enough. And yet one thing that I, Patrice likes to talk about as well is celebrating all the times you have had good relationships with people that you do know how to do this. You have a great relationship with your brothers. You have a great relationship with your family. Think of all your friends in college, your sorority sisters, your professors, you are good at relationships, but what is it that you think is telling you you're not? Like if one thing happens where it's like there's feedback or there's like an edit and if like one like slip up happens, I go into this whole thing where I'm like, oh my God, like this is my fault. Like I'm not a good communicator. Like what if I did it differently to go back and start it over? So I think that's kind of where it comes into play. Just if there's, or if like just someone comes back with like, negative feedback which is normal in my line of work I'm just not I don't think I have like as much experience to where I'm used to like oh like there was some feedback yeah yeah so have you ever heard of the term imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. I have yeah so um, I've worked in the corporate world for a long time and doing executive coaching in the corporate world I've learned that Almost everybody has imposter syndrome, no matter what level of the company they are, at some point in their job, feel like they shouldn't be there, they haven't earned it, they're not good enough yet. It happens to everybody. It's not just you. So it's a it's like a common thing. First of all, I just want you to know, like, this is not <laughs> unusual and everybody goes through it. So that's number one. Number, yeah. <laughs> Number two is the the thing you talk about feedback. And I was the same way when I was getting started. Anybody that would say anything like I wanted so bad to do a good job that anybody who gave me any feedback was just devastating. I felt like, oh, my God, like I'm doing terrible. When really, as I've grown through in my career, I realized that those notes that people give you are really notes. It's not feedback. It's Here, this is how you can do better. And so if you can switch the story in your head to their intention is for me to get better. So what Mm -hmm. they're telling me is only going to make me better, right? Mm -hmm. That's as opposed to they're trying to tell me I'm doing something wrong. They're trying to tell me I'm doing something bad. Most people, their intention isn't to make you feel bad about yourself. Their intention is to make the product better and to help you develop, right? So if you can separate yourself from that and say, they're telling me so that the product can be better. Okay, mm-hmm. let me see how I can make the product better. As opposed yeah. to they're, they're insulting me as Katie, me as a person. It's not about you. It's about yeah. the product, right? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, it's very common. And really, it's just about changing the story in your head. And when it happens, to immediately switch it to, okay, how can I take this as a developmental opportunity? And how can I fix it so that next time 
it's better anyway. You know, like I, I'm going to continue to grow because there will always be edits. That part of your job will never go away. So you kind of have to just figure out how to uh, filter them through your head differently. Okay. Cause I'm like, they keep, obviously they keep happening. Like I keep getting edits, which is normal, but in my head, I'm like, are they going to like be decreasing at any point? Or is it just like always going to be like, (laughs) no, is it going to get better? Yeah. Some people will always want to change your work and it, you know, some people can't just say, Oh, what Katie did was good enough. Mm -hmm. If they're the type of person who, wants to put their stamp on it, thinks that it could be different and, you know, better in some way, they may always change it, even if your way was fine the way it was. Mm -hmm. And so they may not decrease depending on who's giving you the edits. It may just always, that just may be their style, right? But you can also be proactive and go have a conversation with your leader or whoever's, you know, the person who's your mentor or um, who's giving you edits if you have regular conversations, say, you know, I'm really excited about working in this industry and I want to get better. What's one thing that I can do that would help my work continuously? Yeah. What can I do? And that will also help you with uh, asking for feedback and getting feedback. It almost like gives you control over the feedback Mm because you're asking the question and you're already mentally prepared to receive it. Right. So when you ask it, you're going into it going, okay, I'm going to ask for feedback and I'm going to listen to what they have to say and see and take what I think will help versus somebody coming and giving you feedback when you're not expecting it. Sometimes that's when you're not expecting it. Sometimes it's a little harder to take because Mm -hmm. you're not mentally prepared. But if you're in control of it and you're the one asking the question, saying, I'm really trying to develop myself, what are one or two things that if you think I could change to help me be better at this job, what -hmm. would that be? Yeah. And then allow them and do it, you know, practice with somebody, either a mentor, somebody who sits next to you, Mm -hmm. you know, try there first before you go to your leader. But asking an open-ended question, it will show that you have initiative that you want to develop and that you're open to feedback. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's great advice. Yeah. And so I do- Katie, as an English major, you probably had a lot of feedback on your essays and things that you turned in. How did you do with that kind of feedback? Well, that, so there were, I actually had some feedback on that's the other thing that's been a challenge for me is like when I was an English major like I would just like crank out these essays and I would usually get like a couple small remarks and that was it and like I would just turn them in it was just like very and it school was always I've always been like pretty good at school and so now that I'm not in school and I don't have this like I write the essay I turn it in and I and there were times when I had like some feedback like I guess I would just if I had a remark I would usually like if it was like a big hefty one I would like go to their office hours and ask and usually like talk about it with them just to make sure I was understanding everything correctly so that was how I dealt with that but this I feel like is a whole different like ball game kind of just because it's stuff that I'm still learning myself so there is a lot more feedback just because I'm learning it maybe I don't know sorry yeah yeah. your question (laughs) No, that makes complete sense. And I think that sometimes as young adults go through college and if college is easy for them, 
and they're always getting A's and they, you know, they kind of breeze through, then what you're experiencing, you get into the corporate world and the, in real life. And then you start experiencing people giving feedback for a variety of reasons. Some of them, sometimes it's valid feedback. Sometimes they just want to hear themselves talk. You never know. So it yeah. just is a completely different game like you're experiencing now. Mm-hmm. So kind of paying attention to the game and who's giving you feedback, how much of it is about your work and how much of it is about their style and mm-hmm. what they think it should be and really trying to filter out, okay, how can I incorporate what they're saying, still keeping my style and then still growing and not letting it get, discourage me mm-hmm. because um, this is a huge growth time in your career if you're going to stay in the corporate world if you stayed with whatever company you're with how you react to this stuff right now is going to show them how great of an employee you'll be going forward Mm -hmm. and I will say too like I do really like where I work and my supervisor is like excellent and she like they're very big on feedback in general and so I don't think it's like it's just I'm not used to getting (laughs) feedback so yeah whether it be from her or from whoever, but anyways, yeah. Yeah. So I would say practice asking for it. That will just help you okay. turn the story around in your head, have more control over it, and then start to get used to getting it all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just is a good practice for you because the feedback will not go away. When you work for a company, <laughs> you're going to be getting feedback all the time, no matter how great yeah. you're doing. Some of it will be great feedback. Some of it will be feedback on your work. Some of it'll just be who knows what, right. but, um, it's a constant and, um, but you can, you can totally have control over it and how you, how you tell the story in your head is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. and how you can use it for your own development. Yeah. Yeah, and thinking about when you get that feedback back, what if you never got feedback on any of it? What if they all just said, okay, great, okay, great. How would you ever get better? I don't know. When I- they send those back, <laughs> and I would even play games with myself because I had a principal who every time I sent a letter home to parents, she'd want to see it first. And every single time she changed something, every time. It became a game with me. Like how many comments are there going to be this time? One sentence or four. Like I would just make this a game because I knew it was, she had no idea. Yeah. And if I went back and said, every time I send a letter, you edit it. Like what is going on? And really it was just that she wanted her voice yeah, to be reflected in that a little more in what I was saying, maybe a gentler way of saying something or, but um, I just made it a game, but yeah, taking things personally, like the four agreements, never take anything personally. And it's not about you are two things to really remember yeah. because it's not about you. Like Patrice said, it's about a product. Mm-hmm. And so they just want the product to look a little different. Mm-hmm. And what you're creating is a product. Your words are the product. And so they just want to tweak what product you're presenting to your clients a little bit to make sure it's the best product. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Now, the other thing, what you said, Annie, is so true. What if you never get any feedback? So I've seen leaders who at the beginning of the year will say, okay, this is what I want you to work on this year. You know, I want you to become a better writer. I want you to take some classes on writing. And then for the whole year, they never say anything like how you're doing, how you're getting better. 
And then at the end of the year, you get a performance appraisal and they're like, well, you did this wrong and you did this wrong and you did this wrong. It's like, well, if you would have told me when I turned that in, that would have been helpful. Right. And that that does happen a lot. So don't let that scare you when it happens, because some leaders and I don't even call them leaders because usually they're just managers who don't want to take the time to develop people. Mm -hmm. But a true leader develops people. True leader will have a conversation with you on a regular basis, whether it's every other week or even every week sometimes and say, how's it going? What's going well? What's not going well? What's getting in your way? Mm-hmm. What, what do you want to do different or what do you want to develop in yourself and how can I help you? A great yeah. leader is going to have that kind of conversation with you regularly. And then there'll be this open conversation with them so that you can say, I'm struggling with, you know, this newsletter. And, you know, I feel like I get a lot of edits. You know, what is the one thing that if you say I could change how I do the newsletters, what do you think that would be? Mm-hmm. And then ask for that feedback and then try it and say, and ask them again. So I've changed it. How do you think it's going? Yeah. You know, is there anything else you would change on my newsletter? Mm-hmm. I like that. That's yeah. And maybe put yourself in that position. If you were editing someone's work, would you be editing the person or the work? How would you want someone to feel when you give them edits back? Mm-hmm. That person doesn't want you to feel this anxiety. They want you to go home, have a nice evening, hang out with your friends so that the next day when you come back to work, you're ready to present yourself. But if you go home and wring your hands, you're not going to present your best product when you go back. Mm-hmm. You need some time to turn off yeah, and think about other things, other funny, delightful, wonderful things. Yes. You know, what's so true about that, Annie, is that we all have a different way of communicating, right? So if I communicate from a very analytical, data-driven point of view, but that's not how you communicate, then you're going to take what I say as criticism, uh, you're, you're just not going to hear what I'm saying because you communicate from an enthusiastic and a caring way and I want to make sure that you don't hurt anybody's feelings. But if I'm communicating and not worried about hurting people's feelings, I'll probably always hurt people's feelings, <laughs> especially the caring <laughs> people. Um, so think about that when you think about the people who are giving you edits and how they're giving you edits. Mm-hmm. Step back and think, where that? What's their point of view? Where are they coming from? How do they typically communicate? Are they the type of person who data and research is important to them? Are they the type of person who is always worried about how people are feeling? Then it will just give you some insight into if they just are very direct and like, this is what you're doing. That's probably just their style. And they're not necessarily considering your style. Yeah, it's fine. You can't control what they do, but you can control how you take it and say, oh, that's just how they are. They're very analytical. They're very direct. And I just mm-hmm. need to know that when I get when I get notes from them that I'm not going to get any, you know, pats on the back and kudos. I'm going to get here all the things I did wrong because they're a perfectionist. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, definitely. So seeing it from their point of view is also an important practice when you're going through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just to shift a little bit with what you're talking about, all the things you want to do with your English and creative writing degree, yes. that whatever you decide now at this age, and I can definitely tell you this from experience, 
you could do this for two years. You could do this for five. You could do this for 10. Whatever you decide doesn't have to be a forever decision. Yeah. Celebrate the decision you made to change majors. That as long as this job is feeding you intellectually, financially, like this is all great, go for it. And when it stops serving you, Mm-hmm. Start looking around for something else that can serve you in the ways that you need, but take your time and be patient with it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you could write a novel at, well, gosh, you're already 24, I guess 30. Uh-huh. <laughs> you could write a novel at 40. You could write a novel at 50. Like mm-hmm. your whole life, you can just write anything you want. You can write a novel while you're working. Yeah. But yeah. it sounds like this job is really sparking a lot of joy and interest in you when you talk about how fun it is and how challenging it is. Mm, I do really so, like yeah. So you seem like someone who chases challenges. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you like the th- praise, you also chase the challenge. Mm-hmm. And think about, as Annie was saying, you can do things, you have a long life ahead of you to try different things. And you can do little things like you can get into a writing group where you're you're writing fiction stories and giving each other notes on it. I know there's groups that do that and um, or mm-hmm. get a writing coach and help you with that. Or you know, just for fun on your free time, write a, write a movie, write a script. And it doesn't have to be the script that's going to be the blockbuster. It's just, you have to take action and try it because by trying it, then you'll learn like, oh, now I understand how to write a script. Oh, okay. I didn't know that that was part of the process. Right. So Mm -hmm. just taking action, even little action, and it'll start to, you'll start to notice that when you do something, if it's something that lights you up, you'll just start kind of gravitating in that direction because it's really fun. Like all, it sounds like all the different experiences you get in this job by, you know, writing branding statements and newsletters and, you know, all sorts of stuff for clients. All that is such great experience and it allows you to really understand what is it that I really love about this? Is it, you know, the Um, the creative part of putting words together to describe somebody or is it the you know actually long form writing in a in an article what is it that you like and so really paying attention to that but you can just do little things just to take action just to see what lights you up along the way yeah Yeah. and some of my favorite writers started out with social media posts which you are an absolute riot on social media and then (laughs) take that into your own personal blog where you're practicing that. And then they take those blogs and put those into a book. Mm-hmm. And that's, what's so fun to read is you, that's where your voice is. Like go back through your social media and see where your voice is, where you're really proud of what you said. Like, Oh, that landed well. All right, good. I'm going to go that direction or, Ooh, that was kind of unkind. People didn't really like that one very much, you know? So you have a, a unique opportunity that Patrice and I didn't, when we were your age to be able to reflect on your writing, cause you've saved it. Mm-hmm. You've saved so much of it already online. So go back and look at your voice and help develop your voice. And well, and nowadays you can be so creative. Like the sky is the limit on what you want to do. You can come up with something new that you could write and publish and that nobody's ever done before. You know, some I don't know instruction, funny instruction manual for something, and Uh self-publish. There's so many different (laughs) ways to try things these days. Mm-hmm. That's so exciting because you don't have to wait and get a publisher. You could just do it. Mm-hmm. And, True. and you can post it and a bunch of people can see it. Yeah. And then it could go viral. And then all of a sudden, you know, everybody knows you on TikTok. I don't, 
Yeah. Yeah. Pick Patrice. <laughs> Did I just sound old when I <laughs> Oh my gosh. TikTok crap. So do you feel how do you feel after this conversation, Katie? I feel great. I'm gonna go into work tomorrow and I'm gonna be like, if I get any feedback, they're trying to improve the product and it's not about me. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, I think I take things very personally sometimes, which I'm working on, but hopefully getting better every day. So but you know what? That is part of who you are, Katie. That and it's okay to to be like that. It's okay to take things personally. Mm-hmm. You just you just are have to be aware of it, which it sounds like you are, and mm-hmm. then choose how to react to it. So that's the practice that you need to do. Is in certain situations, you just have to act in a different way and behave differently. Doesn't yeah. mean you have to change who you are. It doesn't mean you have to feel less or care less. It just means you just need to build up some calluses around that so that it doesn't hurt as much every time. For sure. Yeah. Yes. It's not about you. Yes. And I thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. (laughs) Everyone needs this at the end of a day. This is great. (laughs) Right. I know. I know. We'll invite you back if you have other questions. Um, we love to do that. And, um, Just in closing, just remember that feedback is just that. It is feedback. An edit is an edit. That putting in a comma or an exclamation point is not a devastation to your personality. (laughs) (laughs) Replacing some words that really mean the same thing, but they thought what they've seen in the past with a client that they like these words instead of those, they might have different perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And celebrate the gifts that you do have, the kindness and the caring and help grow that because that's what's going to fill your heart and your work as well. Thank you. So thank you for your time, Katie. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Such a pleasure talking to you. If you have a few questions about being a grown-up or would like to be a guest on our show, you can reach us at I Have a Few Questions Podcast on Instagram and I Have a Few Questions Podcast at Gmail. Reach us either way. We would love to hear from you and take your questions or maybe even meet you in person. And if you enjoyed listening, leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and write us a review. It would mean the world to us. We always love having subscribers and making new friends.